All right, welcome to another episode of Not Investment Advice. This is Bilal Zaidi, and we've got Jack Butcher in the place and Trung Fan, me, Master Flex. What's going on, boys? It's NFT NYC week. It's been a special week. We had Jack Butcher in the place. We got to hang out, do some crazy stuff for his NFT, his NFT life. Um, Jack, how's it been for you, mate? You've been you've been on the beat this week. Good, yeah. Uh, Thursday we're recording this. Got in Monday. Just been soaking it up. Me and Bilal, me and Bilal hit the town Tuesday night for a little ex- <laughs> exhibition, a little bit of uh, electronic music, didn't we, Bilal? It's good times. We're having a good time. Well, hold yeah, on. Let's. Uh, can you guys? I had no idea what any of this was. I saw some stuff about NYC NFT on Twitter. I still have no idea what went down. Uh, Celia, you might want to uh, stop listening right now. Uh, <laughs> wait. Uh, all right. So, what happened? Because I, I literally still don't know. I know this was like five days ago or four days ago. What, what so went it's down? A, it's a conference um, put on, I think it's at Margaritaville in Times Square is where the actual conference is supposed to be taking place. But it's like a South by Southwest type vibe, right? There's an official conference with speakers and you can you could have applied to be a speaker and you know a lot of people representing different companies went and gave talks. And then around the city, there's all of this other stuff going on. So there's nft projects that are bringing their communities together for the first time because they've all you know been launched in covid or whatever and hasn't been a physical meetup um there's parties there's you know people meeting up um with i've met up with people who i've never seen their face before you know (laughs) anonymous people yeah cartoon picture how is that how is that because i know you went to miami for the bitcoin conference and uh presumably i mean you've seen those people's faces but never met in person how big of a gap was it to have never seen these people's faces and only like their boarded ape or their crypto punk and then met them in person like how big of a disconnect was it i got it totally wrong i think you everyone has like uh you have like a preconceived assumption of what somebody's going to be like when you meet them through dms or whatever and i think yeah, I got it wrong for the most part. Uh, I bet, Jack, one thing you didn't get wrong was that it was a 99% chance it was a man, right? We need to talk about this. Was this a running joke that there's 98% male at NFT NYC? So hold on a second. If NFT NYC was like a civilization, it's just not going to survive, right? It, like <laughs> Biologically, it's incapable of surviving. True. It's still early adopters, Actually, mate. you know what? That's but not yeah. true because uh, Jurassic Park, you remember, in Jurassic Park, uh, some of the dinosaurs, they only had female, but they found a way. You remember that? Life That's not science advice, way. mate. That's yeah, very 2021 of you, but yeah, yeah, fair enough. But no, I will say that was one of the th- kind of things that when me and Jack were together, we, you know, were like talking about like the Soho house in the metaverse idea, right? Like this cool place. <laughs> where there's artists and creative people, which I think is happening in its own way, right? But then when you translate that to real life or like in person, it's a very different experience, obviously, right? So, and this is not to like shit on it. I think it's really cool what's happening. But my opinion, it was not feeling like Soul House. It was <laughs> it was more like the frat house meets like, uh, yeah, you're like a bunch of dudes basically. But uh, well, yeah, hey, really, the, go on, go on. Let me ask, where are the females? What do you mean? <laughs> at home. At home, probably. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, here, I'm asking just a more philosophical question. I understand. Oh, the in the space in general? Yes. yes. Well, I think this is like the, this is probably a, 
it's probably a deep anthropological hole to go down here. It's like the hoarding, the collecting the mentality. The, also, don't you know, get us canceled, man. <laughs> I'm try, I'll try my best. But I think they're like the type of people that spend eight hours a day on Discord and scrolling through OpenSea. And you know the meme that we posted of the dude at the wedding looking through the, the OpenSea listing yeah, yeah. page. <laughs> This, I think there's kind of a, there's an anthropological reason why there's an attraction to this uh, space. And the majority of people, like, when you think of, like, video game culture, at least the, when, um, I think the type of art and the type of, like, jumping off points for NFTs captures a very specific generation of people, both, like, aesthetically and, like, the behavior and the places they hang out on the internet. So... It's all kind of like, you know, it's not as many younger people either. It's like, you know, I'd say late 20s, early 30s and beyond that a little bit is the majority of people. I think that has a lot to do with like how much it costs to get involved in some of these like premium communities. Like a lot of people are, you have to work and have resources to join. And um like World of Warcraft, all of the communities that like launched. I think I heard someone make the comparison of like these. I wasn't um, Vitalik's reason for starting Ethereum. Something oh, yeah, to yeah, do yeah. with uh, his some World war, of Warcraft. His warlocks, uh, so the the Vitalik founding myth of Ethereum was that uh, he used to play World of Warcraft, and one day Activision Blizzard, the company that owns World of Warcraft, just took away his warlocks' powers, and he's just like, "Hold on a second. <laughs> I played 30 hours to get my warlock up to this level. Like you can't just this centralized authority can't just take away this power. And uh and that's what the I believe the exact blog post wording was the evils of centralization. That's what he learned the evils. Incredible. Of. Right, right. Although later he did say that that was a bit of a joke, but I don't know. There's always a grain of truth. I was going to say there's also two sides of it. Like they're very very like certain communities have are like represented very differently than others. Like there are some that are like art first or music first or um like personality first that attract a different like group of people but in general i think it's like video game you know discord like deep in the male world is yeah it just attracts more men than women maybe that changes or like maybe the the like magnet for the project itself changes over time but that's not i don't think that's indicative of every single community but as a general trend like you go on twitter and there's a few women who did attend that said the best thing about being a NFT New York is there's, there's no cues for the bathroom. There's no other <laughs> event where All right, it's, so it's hold the, on. there's a, so flip. you guys went to, what was like, what was the, what was the banger event? So I only went with one because Jack was actually getting his work kind of displayed there, right? Jack exhibited. Yeah. It was at a, like a concert hall in Midtown cascade destructo played sets and then pack uh nest graphics too much lag and myself had like displays in the lobby behind the you know before you go into the music of uh venue just looping some work um and and you're still feeling the effects of that night because it looks like you're ready to go down for the count right is this correct or has it been non-stop i think jack's been been here all week week, so long week All right, so uh, to summarize, uh, NYC NFT or whatever it's called was... NFC, M- oh, NFT NYC. Well, I was going to add, Trung, real quick, is 
like a lot of people are comparing it to South by Southwest in the early days, which is okay. quite cool. Like I didn't go in 2008, but I did, I kind of followed it from afar. I was like a student in London following like Kevin Rose and like Gary Vee, like posting all this stuff back in the day. And I saw a picture of them from last night, Kevin Rose, the OG, the founder of Dig. Um, and Gary Vee, obviously he's got V friends. Were they together? They were together and they're like kind of boys still. And they're both really into NFTs, obviously. And I saw Gary Vee was wearing his Tumblr hoodie, which I was oh like, oh, that is God. such a sick throwback because like he was probably wearing it there. Obviously, that was one of his big angel investment wins, I think, as well. But that early, like there are some similarities. It's very different and new in its own way because like the early South by Southwest. And, but when I say early, I'm saying from the tech side. I'm sure it's been going on way before then, before like Web 2.0 vibes. Um, but it was just even when I had gone, it was just like you you technically sign up for the event, but all the best stuff is like the informal parties. Yeah. You're getting invited, and you're just you know meeting people, and like it's one place where so many people coming in at once. And I think now NFT NYC on the flip side of the negative side, I was saying um, that was definitely happening. All these anonymous people coming together, like people you've been speaking to on the internet for ages. Um, we even had a guy who listened to the podcast came and said hello as well, which is cool. So it's just like that, like bringing that cluster of the internet together in real life is obviously amazing. And especially after the last year that we've all been through. Um, and it does feel like, yeah, there's something bubbling up there. Um, it's going to be very different to South by Southwest, but it, it, it has that like early energy to it, which is kind of cool. Well, Bilal, you live in New York, and Jack used to live there. Just a quick question. Didn't mean to cut you off. Happens all the time. Uh, so when the New York Yankees win the World Series, there's like a vibe, right? Or like uh, when a war hero comes home, there's like a vibe with a ticker tape parade. How close was this to that vibe? <laughs> <laughs> that might be a little exaggeration. The closest thing I can remember is when Biden won the presidency because that was oh, like okay so there's like up, the energy people, okay well like i literally woke up to beeping horns and stuff outside and i went on my my ghetto balcony aka the fire escape um and i went outside <laughs> and people were drinking champagne in the middle of the street so that was the closest i got to so there it, was that there was an energy oh there was a buzz yeah and it was it was kind of cold and that day seemed to like all of a sudden be super nice so everyone was out kind of like just to celebrate obviously it's a blue state and uh, yeah, everyone was happy. Do we have any Trump special shoutouts for uh, our Twitter friends that uh, you met for the first time? Who who in the Twitter squad was there that you guys all met? Uh, well, Jack, you you had a bunch of people that came and joined, right? You, I mean, you already know them. They're kind of like friends by this point. The guy, I think uh, Cole was the guy we met, Bilal, at the, uh, at the yeah, event I'm saying venue. Cole Caffey. Caffey, yeah. sorry. Cole I just Caffey. met uh, Danny Miranda. In, the, nice. in Times Square. Oh, sick! No way! Uh, All right. I did a little. Um, I did a little hat. I brought a bunch of hats with me, and uh, just tweeted out if you can find me in Times Square, free hat. So, <laughs> oh, uh, that's sick! Just did met anyone a bunch come? Of, yeah, yeah. Just gave a few away. Oh, I met a bunch cool. of kids. That, that's um, sick. We did this project like two weeks ago, sponsoring um, people's flight and accommodation to come, like young students. Was that you and and Rick, Rick Burton this, as well, right? Rick Burton, man, he um he's been doing he was doing it, and then I just contributed by build uh making an NFT. We, I think we sponsored eleven people's trips. Oh, and, amazing! Uh, so sick, man. Love down it. there, uh, just soaking it up, man. It's cool. It's cool. It's good energy. Like, I think the the overall takeaway is like a lot of people are like digital native communities like adapting to the real world is really interesting. Uh, 
like challenge for people. And I think Bilal and I talked about this is like, there's a huge opportunity for people who work in event organization and like do the, you know, do the in-person thing all the time to get into this space in the same way that crypto is, you know, create an opportunity for things outside of discord channels and web development, things of that nature, as it gets more of a pop culture thing, um, you know, everybody's going to start interacting with it. So, uh, yeah, it's cool to see it come together. And I imagine it'll have a trajectory like a South by Southwest, right? Where the first one is like, I, I think this might even be the second or third one, but it's like, this is the first one where it's big enough Same. where you'd see it trending on Twitter outside of your circle, like yes. Times Square, there's people sponsoring billboards, putting collections up and like rotating through. Yeah, I saw a bunch of like apes and even toads <laughs> and like just in Times Square, which is kind of cool. And uh, yeah, the Gary Vee's event last night, I saw there was like a line around the block. He did like old school South by South West style, just be like, there's a secret party tonight. And then oh, at 11 right. p.m. he pings out location. Classic. And there's a line around the block, man. I was like, man, like he knows what he's doing, man. I think Jeremy, yeah, don't mess sure. around, bro. Yeah, yeah. He's doing, I think he's doing a lot of uh, solid stuff there, man. So yeah, anyway, it. it's been fun. Um, Jack, is there anything else that you're doing? Because you're only here one more day, I think, right? Just, uh, I was, yeah, just a few dinners and go to a few project parties and stuff. Work. And, uh, yeah, working, man. <laughs> Networking. <laughs> it's been like massively inspiring to meet people because this space hasn't been around that long. What people have accomplished in such a ridiculously yeah. short period of time and how Incredible. people have pivoted. So you hear someone's story and they're like, yeah, two years ago I was doing this. And then, you know, I'm here to throw an event for this project that I launched three months ago that now Amazing. has. 2,000 people supporting it, 3,000 people supporting it. It's like, it's pretty impressive to see this stuff come together in person. Uh, so yeah, uh, it's been it's been a quality trip. Well, let me add one point here. Uh, you mentioned, uh, Bilal, the opportunity for someone to combine the events. Or was that Jack that mentioned it? One of you guys mentioned it. Microsoft, Enterprise Metaverse, people. We didn't get I a know. chance to include it last I know that week. Was, but that was uh, after our last episode on Metaverse, right? Let's just touch oh, we on called it quickly. It. Yeah, we called it. Oh, did the we call idea, it? Yeah, oh, yeah. We, called the, we called the, the um, well, we basically predicted that this is going to become a meme that oh, every right, right, company, right. like even remotely related to the space, is just going to start spamming this keyword, basically, <laughs> right? Hey, Metaverse, Metaverse, it's like earnings calls. I think there's even like algorithmic trading that happens based right. on what CEOs say, right? So it's like if person X doesn't talk about Metaverse, then yeah. you know their market cap's <laughs> getting hammered. Like maybe a few years ago, it was like AI or machine learning or some other like abstract term that you know nobody can really agree on the definition of, but everyone's like, yeah, it's the future, definitely. So you have to start saying it. So I'm sure it'll get progressively mentioned by less and less relevant businesses and contexts like over time um it's a weird thing it's like um yeah there's no definition for it and you could even argue that it exists now right so i'm I, i'm kind of cautious when you hear uh people just jump on the term and it's very convenient that this is like two weeks after it's in yeah. the uh, headline press and now the frequency of it just well, what I will say is that uh, we never actually mentioned, like, well, we touched on Microsoft's efforts, but like, they're a very credible player to make this happen, though, right? Because they just have the most insane distribution. And like, if your boss is telling you, hey, by the way, uh, Accenture just linked up our 50,000 person company to Microsoft's metaverse, 
you're going to have to download that shit now and use it, right? Like Microsoft, because they're wedging the workplace, they could kind of force people to do it if they get the corporate uptake. And obviously Microsoft has destroyed so many even remotely cool things. But I mean, it's actually tough to bet against uh, Satya, man. That guy's a monster. Yeah, I wonder if like Teams as well or start right like the exactly the just ideas like everyone sit in the conference room i wonder like i find this whole subject pretty fascinating so is that gonna unlock some new level of creativity i think it's pretty, <laughs> yeah, i don't know if it will man. it's pretty bizarre like i think maybe even a zoom call is more intimate than like being a little cartoon in a fucking <laughs> yeah have you guys used like is it spatial i think it's called or have you heard of this no, no. i used it the first time this week for a a company I work with, I jumped in and I, I didn't really know they what were even going to do that. I think it's called Spatial and my keyboard for some reason is not working. So I'll try to remember from, from my head. But you basically go in and you log in and there's like a main room. It looks kind of like a 3D room, but I'm using it on my laptop. So it's not, I'm sure if you use VR, it would feel like you're in like some 3D place. How do you spell you, that? I think it's Spatial, S-P-A-T-I-A-L or something like that. Um and if I still remember correctly, I think I m- met the guy who started it. If I'm not getting the companies confused, Anand X at Google.com, because he was ex-Googler. His company got acquired by Google, and then I think he's spun out. Again, could be completely mixing, mixing this up, but I'm pretty sure it's him. And they basically, it's like a 3D conference room, and you drag your little picture on the thing, and then you're, you've got a place in the room. So you're looking around. Like, if I'm honest, I didn't love it because... I didn't have a VR headset, so it's kind of like, all right, what am I, what am I doing? But I think, yeah, mate, I, f- I guess the idea is you're kind of in this room together, and they're creating stuff in there like a whiteboard, and you know, uh, I don't. know, Maybe there's a lot more stuff too. I, I didn't even use it properly. I was there for like 15 minutes. So, um, but yeah, I do think that kind of in the, is in the same realm. I get my opinion is you don't know it's good until someone makes it good enough. You know, it's yeah. like the idea itself is like, yeah, cool, whatever. But it's like saying pictures on the internet you can post pictures on the internet you're like yeah cool i did that on high five <laughs> and myspace like what's the big deal and then facebook comes and says oh here's unlimited photos and albums that's a great way here's a yeah. news feed oh and then instagram we've got these stupid little filters so you can not look terrible you know what i mean so until someone makes it elegant enough uh you, you yeah. don't really know so Anyway. We're, yeah, we're sounding like boomers on this, man. Yeah, we're definitely hitting the boomer level, mate. Yeah. <laughs> I um, think so, Jay-Z invested in Spatial Labs. That's what the internet's telling me. Oh, sick. All right. So real quick, because I know we, we already started talking about NFC, NY, NFT, NYC. Um, just to give people a heads up, we're going to be talking about the mayor, the new mayor of New York, Mayor Adams, legend in the making, it seems like. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about the next $1 trillion company, who that could be, what it looks like. And then we will get to Trung's Formula One in America. We didn't get to do Fun Fact Fan last week because we were down the hyperinflation rabbit hole. Jack, what's on your mind, mate? I was just going to say on that last point, like maybe the thing that I'm missing is like Roblox, Minecraft, Fortnite. Yeah. Like, the, you know, the Satya Nadella, he said that those games, like the Microsoft suite of games are metaverses. They're, they own Minecraft, don't they? Minecraft, Minecraft, yeah. Or Roblox, one of them. Um, Minecraft. So that to me is like, yeah, I'm kind of refuting my own point where it's like the next generation of people who will enter. Man, if you combine this with what we talked about a couple of weeks ago, play to earn, it's like, does work look like 
work or is like our, our company is designing like basically interactive gamified environments that somehow um, like we're, we're talking about it from the perspective of people who are like on the, on the, um, on a different end of the adoption curve than people who are already living like this. They're just not working yet. If that oh, makes that's sense. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're kind of seeing it from translating the real world or like physical world. Oh, we go and sit in a conference room and look at a whiteboard and like go through slides and like just recreating that in digital world doesn't necessarily make sense. But if you, that, that's a good way to think about it. Someone did a great thread. I was trying to get up on, um, I, I tweeted, uh, remote jobs are just video games. And somebody did a legitimate like breakdown and took like little elements of video games that were like, yes, they're video games, but most people are doing a terrible job of actually gamifying them and creating engagement. So yeah, I think that's kind of a, like some companies, this is the same like idea as micro strategy buying Bitcoin and just stopping doing whatever else is the hell they do as like (laughs) some company saying, right, everybody just start playing Axie Infinity. That's a more profitable endeavor than whatever like nonsense we're working on so yeah who knows man i think uh gaming is probably a better mental model to extrapolate yeah, from than trying to turn every meeting into it's uh, <laughs> basically that most people are having, hate. right companies that are having meetings not going to make it probably is a fair assumption right like <laughs> most of these companies that are blasting their way to a trillion dollar market cap are like you write a memo and you talk for five minutes or whatever it is. It's less of the like consulting company. And I've got plenty of experience in that space sitting in a conference room, just bullshitting your way to some made up conclusion. Uh, it's a very different environment. So sounds like a creative brief, mate. You mean- <laughs> Yo, yeah, 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 yeah. Jack's got yeah, some no. PTSD, man. He's not in uh, the condition to handle that right now. No, no, no. We'll move on. But that, I think that's a, that's a good law good little mental model for thinking about it that's a great point on microsoft yeah let's hit up eric adams yeah so uh, talking of nft nyc um mayor adams who's the new mayor of new york um we've kind of mentioned him before i don't know that much about him to be honest i'm not allowed to vote here i didn't vote obviously for that reason but i probably would have voted for him if i could just because he put a video out telling parents (laughs) how to check for drugs in their kids' cupboard or their wardrobe. And I was like, what a G. That is amazing. So I was like, yeah, well, that's a, that's a guy I want police in my... the instructions? Open the I, cupboard I, and I look. I don't even remember what it was now, but it was like, make sure you're looking in this pocket. This could be the, the hidden the, area or something The like. fifth pocket, right? In the jeans, always the sneaky one or in the belt. Trung, Bro, let me, let me drop you, trung. actually. You guys will laugh. When, uh, top pocket on the flower shirt. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. When, uh, when I... Uh, when I was growing up, obviously, I mean, we all partied in our high school days, but like, there's like a, there's like a leafy fern outside my house. So I didn't, I'd stumble home at like two in the morning, just blasted. Right. Probably had like 20 drinks and like, I'm so dumb at that time. And I'm not that much smarter now, but like the way I tried to hide the scent of alcohol was I literally jumped in the fern bush and started rolling around. So I would smell like a tree oh and my then God, I would hilarious. go home in like the house. A tree. <laughs> And then I shower and brush my teeth, but it didn't matter. You have 20 drinks. That was the tell. Like alcohol, that was the tell. Right? Yeah, but yeah, exactly. My parents like, anytime you roll home at 2 a.m. smell like a tree, we fucking know you drink, you <laughs> idiot. <laughs> like, that's the cue. Anyways, that's uh, Eric Adams G. Go on below. We'll there, mate. Yeah, so Mayor, 
Mayor Adams, the, the reason we're bringing up, he just tweeted this. He said, in New York, we will, we always go big. So I'm going to take my first three paychecks <laughs> in Bitcoin when I become mayor. NYC is going to be uh, the center of the cryptocurrency industry and other fast-growing innovative industries. Just wait. And all I'll say is, as someone who's lived here for a little bit of time, Jack's obviously spent even longer than I have uh, before he moved away for a bit, is just out of all the states, right? Like New York is like the the one that is not very crypto friendly, like the most, right? They don't give, the, I forgot what it is, bit license or something like that. But basically there's some basic stuff you just can't do here. And so, yeah, this is, uh, I think a really cool thing. I mean, the same way Mayor Francis in Miami has been so, you know, like um, leaning into all of this, obviously with CityCoin, Miami Coin, which uh, we talked about on the podcast and had the guy on. So uh, my hope is that, yeah, this could be a powerhouse for this world, right? Like the home of finance is in New York and London and Hong Kong and a few other places. But in, in America, it's New York. So I hope that they can actually, you know, embrace it and it can become a powerhouse. But I don't know, what do you, what do you guys reckon? Because I know, Jack, you met this dude as well, right, at one point? Yeah, I just like, shook hands with him at a fundraise and got a picture. We got to uh, put that picture. We just we dropped that seed. Yeah, come yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just Let's find it. Whispered. Yeah, I got it. I got it pulled up from our. Okay, there we go. <laughs> so, look, tell us what <laughs> happened. Did you just went in his ears like two, one I word, said, two syllables? <laughs> <laughs> no, he, I said, no, he just said. Imagine a, a mountain goat. goat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That was pre-sailor, man. So I probably didn't have that good of a. I probably didn't have that good of a frame. Yeah, bro, hold on. We gotta go through. Can you imagine if you had rolled up to Mr. Adams before he became mayor? It's like, oh, what he's a, I guess, police commissioner. It's like, listen, he, the entire history of humanity and nature is an unfair fight. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if you're a goat and you're just standing on the, you know, on the grass, Trump's been sailing. <laughs> That's incredible, man. But uh, you know, my I guess my response to it would be like, is that like is a mayor of a city in a position to change the law that I would imagine is set at state level? Right, right, and right, right, right. Like, yeah, isn't Francis sure. Suarez in Florida like more politically aligned with the powers that or, or that the idea of pro crypto, pro you know, financial industry? Yeah, good point. Is much more aligned with the politics of, well, there's there's less friction above him in Florida, is how yeah. I would probably describe it. So I'm curious if 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 like these um, restrictions that are in place now are like Albany things and yeah, and probably. not something that's gonna. So maybe a marketing effort, but yeah. I, I wish him either the way, best. it's like a positive signal. Yeah, and yeah I yeah. think just for perception to have someone in his position, the same way Andrew. Uh, Andrew Yang, he, when he was running, he was trying to be pro crypto, which kind of makes sense. It's more aligned with his background as well. But yeah, it's not like he's, I mean, he's more center, right? Like, I think he's a Democrat, but he's, uh, he's not like AOC all the way on the left. Um, so I think given that, like, there's probably a bit more balance for like the pro business, pro financial innovation or whatever. Well, I think it's it. like sick for the conversation in general, too. It's like, regardless of how. It's like a step. It, it's like a a real high signal step. Regardless, well, so you guys of, talked about it, right. I mean, every episode we talk, we got to bring in the word meme. Is like this is just part of the meme. Is like the optics are incredible. And I mean, you guys are in New York or have lived in New York a long time. It's like the mayor is like, if you were to rank the titles of people in the United States politically, like mayor of New York is what is I don't know probably top fifteen, yeah. top twenty. And uh, 
I mean, people knew Mayor Bloomberg probably even before they knew the governor of the state at the time, right? Although Bloomberg was also one of the richest people in the world, but um, I don't know, like well, Giuliani. So will, so will Eric Adams be soon enough. It depends how long he... <laughs> Just hold on to those three Bitcoin. <laughs> hold on tightly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness, man. All right, anything else much. on on that, boys? I think we can move on, but um, yeah, I think either what, way. One other thing signal, is Suarez replied to the tweet. So it's oh, like, that's, he, he said, like, I like basically welcome to the game. Like our friendly competition, <laughs> let the it. friendly competition welcome. ensue, which is like a, just that's another, amazing. like really interesting evolution in politics that is outside of the, uh, you know, this is the win and win and help win mentality. Our much referenced friend Balaji coined on a different podcast, but the idea that, um, yeah, this is a, a growing pie that we can yeah. all be a part of. Well, it's like Patrick Stanley, the city, the the, the city coin, uh, our city coin friend, uh, which was on the pod, uh, Bilal mentioned, is uh, man, he talked about it. It's like one of the main mechanisms that he kept on referring to is like, all right, if if a city's interested in flipping on city coins, like we need the mayor to basically flip it on, right? It's like that mayor level interaction on Twitter is like that is where this is the game's being played, right? Well, it's like the idea of the um, CEO of the city. Right, like that. He, I think he brought that up, and Balaji has talked about it. Um, startup cities is a kind of adjacent topic, but yeah, just you know, like, and we, I think we'll probably all net out to like more competition is good, it's gonna, you know, drive the conversation forward. Anyone who's holding themselves accountable in a public forum like Twitter, I'm all for that, exactly. obviously. Like, you know, Trunks talked about it before, like, these people doing dodgy stuff on the side aren't necessarily opening themselves up. For scrutiny every day on the internet, right? So. Just to rewind that, that was Adam Newman at WeWork, uh, Elizabeth Holmes at uh, Theranos. Both didn't have Twitter accounts. A third person actually who went, oh, Aussie, Aussie Media. Let's add him to the mix. Carlos Watson, <laughs> zero Twitter presence. He's on there, tweets, no one responds. I've been talking about it. It's my Twitter theory, man. Every every single example, we're still under 10, just adds to the theory. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Trung's on the Aussie hype again. Let's go. <laughs> Wes, no, I, I remember. Like, I remember that. I could, I could, um, I think you can frame this as like the, it's like iterating ideas in public. Like that's a, that the Twitter is like a marketplace of ideas. Yeah. And if you have th that kind of distribution and you can gauge, you can really gauge the response to something in the same way that, you know, we've talked about on like, uh, from a commercial perspective, people are used to thinking about this, but every massive political event in the last 10 years, starting with Obama, you know, pioneering the use of social media and politics. Like it was a weird, there's a weird lull, right? Of like uh, the, it seems crazy that it took until last year for someone like Suarez to take to Twitter and use that as a platform for like really changing the narrative about a city, a city. or, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you Trump obviously in a much different way, but right, like, right. but to your point is like, uh, I mean, Trump's already such a known quantity, right? Mayor Suarez literally came out of nowhere and just like, Grab the bull by the horn, like Eric Adams Killed holding Bitcoin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, boys, let's move on to the next topic, which is the next $1 trillion company. Um, there's a couple I'm going to throw in the ring for this. And you guys tell me if there's anyone else we should think about. Um, Coinbase, we'll talk about in a second, because obviously we talk a lot about Web3 and crypto here. They had crazy results, which I'll summarize in a second. Stripe. Also, you know, uh, potentially the 
I think it's the most valuable private company, you know, in, in tech anyway. Um, talk of them going public whenever that's going to be. And uh, obviously Square is already um, in that realm as well. Um, two things to call out. So Stripe just announced this. I think you guys might have seen my tweet. They're basically launching a physical card reader a la um, Square. Square, right? Which is quite an interesting move. Um, so Strat really kind of going for their necks, which I like to see. Um, and then uh, Coinbase, their numbers just came out and they're pretty crazy. So um, Coinbase, is a, this is a tweet. I can't remember who posted this, but Coinbase is a $90 billion company growing revenues by 465% year over year uh, with profit margins of 44%. And the guy who wrote this said, folks, this doesn't happen. And uh, the last thing he said is large financial competitors sat on the sidelines for so long, terrified of crypto. Now it's too late. Incredible story. So I'll throw this over to you guys. I mean, those are three, you know. I'll add two more. Let me add two more to the mix. Uh, uh, Shopify and SpaceX. I can, Mm. uh, those are the five. I'd also probably add just that old school Disney. Uh, It's about 300. Uh, and then you could go, I mean, we're probably talking the younger uh, companies, but this, you is like probably, the, this is the business geek version of yeah. your top five the, the starting jab, picks, yeah. right? <laughs> well, you could probably, and also just throw in Visa just cause they're, they're uh, just, they're on cruise control to a trillion, which is the reality. Although they might be, I mean, these things are disrupting them. Um, so yeah, let's start going through the, the, the case for all of them. I'll, I'll do a couple and then I'll flip it to you guys. Go, on, Trunk, uh, go for it. I'll do the case for SpaceX is, uh, Obviously, people think that space is going to be a trillion-dollar economy when it comes to telecommunications. Uh, Starlink is actually the, the weapon X for SpaceX, right? They're going to launch 30,000 satellites into space and provide internet for the entire world. Um, if you actually, I can't remember, I looked at the numbers. If you if you broke down their offering and it hit the other half of the world that's not internet, I mean, these guys, the run rate they're going to be on is like tens of billions of dollars, right? That's just on the internet business. Uh, so there's that. Square and Stripe payments uh, is obviously just such a, a, the shift to digital still isn't even remotely complete. And uh, so I think Square is a $150 billion company. Stripe is a $250 billion company. Uh, the best case for both of those or for Square was from Kathy Wood. Uh, obviously, ARC does some pretty aggressive numbers, but she was just saying basically like, how many wallet holders does Square have? And then what is the value of a wallet holder or a cash app uh, uh, user on Square versus the dollar value that's assigned to a normal banking account? So a normal bank account might be assigned something like two to $3,000 lifetime value for an account, right? This is like all the financial products you'll use, all the fees you pay. But right now, those same digital accounts are valued on a per user basis at a fraction of that. So she's saying, what happens if you're to bring the cash app user to the same uh, valuation as of like a Wells Fargo user that turns into a trillion dollar company. Right. And that doesn't include all the fucking crazy Jack Dorsey, maybe combined with Twitter and crypto plays he's got going on. Um, Stripe, same stuff. Uh, Payments, massive, massive industry, right? Um, Hundreds of billions of dollars. It's not even like, it's literally just people don't, a lot of people don't realize it's like the ACH stuff, like the debit payments that they work in that space. It's like 10 times a multiple of like a credit card industry. And um, so they keep playing that space, increase the GDP, the internet, they'll head to a trillion. Shopify e-commerce is just absolutely massive. Even after the pandemic, 
we're still only 20% or 25% penetration e-commerce. That gets 50, 60%. Shopify is the alternative to Amazon, trillion dollar company. Um, and then what was the last one? You said Visa, Coinbase. I think. A Coinbase, oh. Coinbase. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, let, let's do the uh, tweet that kicked it off. Uh, Matt uh, Hogan, who's the investment chief investment officer or CEO of BitInvest, I think. He says, Coinbase is a $90 billion company growing at 465% per year with a 44% profit margin. And that, that is absolutely insane. Uh, a lot of that was because of the crazy uptick in crypto traders over the past year. And also Coinbase takes a ridiculous rip right now on uh, on transactions, right? Yeah, it's like their, 1 their fees are pretty high, yeah. Uh, so if that goes down a bit, they're going to probably be, a, the margins are not going to be nearly as nice. But the last thing I'll say about them is if we, and I think you guys have talked me into believing fully the crypto thesis, is if that if the crypto thesis is, you know, Bitcoin headed to 10 trillion, Ethereum headed to maybe even more, it's like Coinbase is it, right? That's the, that's the interface and there's a trillion dollar company. So what do you guys think about that bullet point analysis on these ones? You kind of just alluded to it, but if you change your definition of company, then Ethereum can, oh, right. can take that place on the mantle as well. And then one other, I have no idea what this what this business is worth. Maybe you know something, Trung, but TikTok. Oh, yeah. Uh, ByteDance is worth $450 billion. Uh, and I think ByteDance made $40 billion last year. So if you gave them like 15 to 20 times revenue, they're already a trillion dollars. If they go public, that's probably a $700 billion company. You're right. That's right there. That's private. So maybe for the for the purpose of this, maybe we hone into the payment ones because I feel like there's so many there. Yeah. But like if you were saying, because it's quite interesting to think about the different strategy with Square, uh, Coinbase and Stripe, I'd say like because they all got their own like core competency, but then they're kind of expanding across the board, right? Like Square started with the physical stuff, then they did Cash App and they did the 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 PO, POS. Like they've got so many parts to it. Um, Coinbase obviously starts as a crypto exchange, but it's going to basically become potentially like a bank account for many people in the future um, with like the products they're trying to do with Earn and that sort of stuff. And then Stripe starts with online payments, yeah. but now is expanding into the others. So I'm curious, like, yeah, do you guys have an opinion out of those three, if you were picking one? I'll, uh, let me let me tick through some insane stats about Stripe for you guys. So this is from Alex Tabarak, who uh, runs the Marginal Revolution blog. He's an economist along with Tyler Cowen. Uh, they both uh, are George Mason University. So here's some insane numbers about Stripe and the industry they play in. Okay, so the payments market a year is a $100 trillion business. That's how much volume happens in payments. So this is literally the epitome of a, man, what happens if uh, we capture 1% of this market, right? Like this is like the epitome of that uh, kind of meme of an investment meme. So this is what's crazy. Credit cards, $7 trillion, and you get 2% of those transactions, which is what's happening. That's a $140 billion industry. However, <laughs> if you take 0.5%, which is what the debit market plays in of a hundred trillion, you're already like two to three times bigger than the credit market, right? So that's just an idea of how big the space that Stripe plays in. And the internet hasn't even shifted to online yet. So like they're just in, Stripe's just kind of in cruise control in just the biggest industry possible. And uh, whereas 
Square is much more like they're trying to do a lot of, uh, you know, they're trying to be a financial super app. So you trade with them. Maybe you'll do insurance products. Uh, you, you, you send money to and from your friends. And then they'll just start taking rips of all those little things. I think they're going to eventually have to plug into like this kind of payment side. I'm sure that they have stuff in the works, but like that's just a total unlock. What's interesting about Shopify that we actually mentioned was Shopify has a very tight relationship with Stripe. And they actually own 2% of Stripe as a company. But as Jack always alludes to, the distribution is what's so important, right? So if Shopify is the face of, you know, the future of e-commerce outside of Amazon, they, it's kind of in their interest to, I mean, they have a shop pay product, which is powered by Stripe. But what if they were to just be like, you know what? There's so much money at stake here. Maybe we should run with it. So, and Coinbase, obviously, uh, uh, crypto everything. NFTs we talked about, they got... 4 million signups on just their, their beta NFT product. Yeah, crazy. And uh, they're doing lending products. And uh, I think that's, yeah, I think you nailed it, Blau. Like each of these three have totally kind of different things. They'll end up encroaching on each other's turf. Uh, like we mentioned, Stripe was looking at hiring crypto people. But uh, it's, it's, it's a good point. They are in very different ways uh, attacking finance. How, how do you think about um, Coinbase versus FTX? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that's a good um, question. Because aren't well, they? Aren't, isn't FTX like sat across way more assets than Coinbase? Even the pro, like the institutional products from FTX, are like way more expansive than Coinbase. I think you nailed it. I think that's the huge difference between them. And, and Bilal actually was the one that put me onto the invest, like the best podcast with uh, SBF Sam Bankman-Fried. But in that podcast, he's basically explaining what was going on versus Coinbase, and. FTX from the beginning, and we discussed this episode, is very targeted at professionals, right? Like really hardcore crypto traders. And the other thing that they offer, which Coinbase doesn't, because the, to do derivatives, you have to be much more regulated, which is why FTX is all over, I mean, wherever they are globally, Bahamas, Hong Kong. SBF said that for a standard financial product, the, the volume of derivatives is something like 10 times the underlying. So let's say that uh, this total hypothetically, let's say whatever, a Tesla trades a billion dollars of the underlying stock a day. It's way more than that. But like the derivative equivalent would be 10 billion. And he's basically saying like the reason why FTX was able to grow so fast is they were providing derivatives on top of crypto, right? So booming trading market, and they're basically the go-to place to do derivatives on top of crypto. And Coinbase can't really do that right now because it, the, regulatory, the regulatory headache. But uh, so you know you know that part of it, right, uh, Jack? It's like professional institutional, FTC, FTX is much more in that space. But the retail is why they're, they're getting crushed on retail. I think they have uh, a tenth, maybe uh, a smaller portion of the retail user base as Coinbase, which is why they're spending so much money on, on advertising and advertising. Yeah. And that's exactly, and the way that SPF described it in the podcast with Patrick O'Shaughnessy in the Invest by like the Best podcast, he's like, the reason we're going after this route is because a professional trader, they don't care about the FTX brand. Like as in, they, they care about the brand, but they more care, like they're looking at the guts of it. Okay, how, am I getting the margin? Am I getting the execution time? Am I getting all this? Like those are the most important things to them, right? And like, they they know that they use the product two, three hours a day, but like a retail trader that might buy crypto once or twice a year, like Fiat fan here is like, 
you literally just want to be like Coca-Cola, right? Like that moment that they want to buy they think some of crypto it, or think of it, like, oh, I got to go buy some crypto because I saw it on this fucking TV show. It's like, they're like, what's the first thing that comes to mind? It's Coinbase, right? Yeah, right so now, still, especially in the West. Right, like, well, below you, I mean, you understand the comment brand advertising versus direct response, right? Yeah. I mean, you should talk through this. It's like, how important is brand advertising for that particular mission? That yeah, and I'm sure Jack SBF with wants. his background as well. But just, yeah, I think that's what, if you look at, uh, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but so these numbers might be completely butchered, but let's just say it was like $600 billion um, of advertising dollars in the world. I think it was like three, 400 of those. So like 80%, let's say, were in brand dollars. This is when I looked like many years ago. Explain but what that means. The, the reason is because, yeah, there's direct response, which is if you think of a marketing funnel, there's the top end, which is awareness. And you get to the middle, it's like consideration. This is simplified. And at the bottom is some form of conversion or purchase, right? Uh, like the, you might have heard of ADA is the, the full definition of it. Um, but so traditionally, if you look at like Google advertising, people thought of like the right at the bottom of the funnel. Someone's putting their hand up saying, I want to buy a red pair of Adidas shoes. Show me that right now. You're not, but that that idea of buying it happened way before it was because you watched a, a TV commercial of the athlete. Right. And then for Nike, they're Ronaldinho kicking a ball through the airport and throughout your whole life, those stories you've heard were the brand moments that gave you a certain perception of a brand. So that's why I think, um, Coca-Cola is sugar water for billions of people to, to, uh, drink. So at that scale, you just want to get impressions, right? Like eyeballs, keep pushing it in people's faces, do fun stories like the Budweiser ads. But, and then like you said, that uh, FTX institutional investor, they're looking at, oh, what's the liquidity? Is it reliable? What's the speed like? All that stuff, which me and you don't care that much about because we're buying a little bit on like a Robinhood style app. So yeah, that's how I'd like try to summarize it. It's just the broad awareness where that moment where someone's about to make a decision, you want them to think of you happens way before than like the Google search in the example I used. And uh, the other component to this, uh, and I think uh, this was today, SBF tweeted about their, their user onboarding flow is, is not it's good. Terrible. So you yeah, have to put your He said in. that. Yeah, he, he tweeted that. about it. He said it's like hubristic, like to think that we shouldn't have fixed this earlier because you have to enter your address three or four times. There's like a retail trader just like, what am I doing? Um, and that's like, uh, you know, design as edge, which companies like Square, Apple, Google, you know, all of the big beasts are like putting so much energy into cleaning up the UX of this stuff. And the FTXs of the world that are appealing to the more technical traders or like you're willing to put up, you're willing to put up with a bit of a clunkier experience if you're trading size, right? And you're saving a huge amount of money. But the uh, these other apps, I think, are also recruiting talent from, you know, really customer set like, sorry, B two C software companies that think about UX in a much more comprehensive way. Um, so design is like a, that's the edge in a lot of these cases. Yeah, right? yeah like exactly. That, it's like if you think of your bank back in the day, your bank you chose because you know for multiple reasons, but you wanted to go inside and feel like it was safe and all that stuff. Now our bank is in our pocket. We're like, we, you don't go into a bank unless you really need to, right? So like their interface, their store is like the app. 
and like it's surprising how terrible so many of the apps are and then same with this right like uh like i i literally dropped off that funnel i just said for ftx i had to go verify my identity <laughs> i tried doing it and it didn't work and i was like all right well i already got four different exchanges i was just trying right. to see what it worked like oh like literally like man use case man yeah tweet sbf man what's up yeah, brother got, dude you got a couple yeah, of he's pods, just first of all, it. But, <laughs> yeah we gotta get him on and you know, uh, like there's another like the switching cost in traditional finance is just so this so oh my knackering god to even think in. about it like i i don't know if this is an appropriate thing to say or we're gonna get sued for saying this but i was with hsbc for a long time <laughs> and it's like every single digital interaction i had with that company was diabolical so and funky like, right celia has experience. a yeah. like capital one or chase and like they're just investing more money in UX. Clearly, they have. But you won't switch because you don't want to deal with it. Just can't be bothered. So, like it's ten like years, I'm just like, why it's like am moving. I? Yeah, it's like you know where the um. There's a great show called uh, Peep Show, um, UK Incredible. sitcom, yeah. and uh, is like this guy's trying to get his drawer open, and he's like, "Fuck!" Say you can hear his like uh, the voice in his head. He's like, "For God's sake!" Every time, why don't I get this fucking thing fixed? And then it opens, and he's like, "Ah, uh, you know, it always opens eventually." <laughs> You just keep doing that for years and years and years and years and years. It's so dumb. But now, that like, monologue is that literally how you feel. On yeah, the, on yeah, the it's incredible. And you just do it every time. Be like, I can't be bothered switching. Um, but that's the thing. Some of these, some of these, uh, like I think Cash App is just ludicrously clean. The sign up flow for that. I have a bank account with Cash App, and it probably took me like five minutes, maybe not even. Right? It was like I didn't even realize I had a bank account. It was like a debit card showed up in the post. I'm like. Oh, I didn't realize I signed yeah. up for this versus a bank where it's like sit down with a bank manager and like paperwork. It's just NGMI yeah, it's stuff, boys. Well, actually, you just brought up something there about um, Square. And I don't remember, again, the number off the top of my head, but that Kathy Wood thing that you mentioned earlier, Trung, like that, I remember in the ARC research or whatever, they said, um, one, if you took the number of users they have and you basically increase the lifetime value of each user, they would be worth X amount. But also how much cheaper it was for them to acquire customers because they were basically right. creating a Venmo style thing where you pay, you know, do peer-to-peer -peer payments and that, and they had this little incentive, $10, $15 to invite your friends. And at that level, you're not thinking, oh, I'm inviting my friend to a future bank. You're just like, oh, I need to give you $12 yeah. for this pad tie. And, <laughs> and well, that's like, a cultural yeah. cachet of like the hip hop community or like that Aaron exactly. Rodgers giving away a million dollars in Bitcoin. It's crazy. Um, yeah, so it's quite interesting. I'll just say really quickly my summary of what I think out of the three Square, Stripe, Coinbase. I think, I mean, I own two of those and the other one is not a public company. So I would own that if I could. Um, I don't know not the numbers. Investing no advice. investment advice, yeah. definitely not. But that's my just uh, disclosure. Um, the Stripe, like I don't know the valuations, like who's winning right now. So that's obviously accurate answer would include looking at that. But let's just say they're all doing pretty well. To me, what you described before, Stripe feels like like they're just on a rampage. You know, like they've got Automatic, crazy talent dude. and. It's just I love the way you described the Spotify front end. You know, as that keeps growing, they're going to keep growing as well. And there's less risk. Shopify. Right? Like, Shopify. Shopify. Sorry, it's Shopify, not Spotify. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and then like the, like I love, you know, crypto world, obviously, and Coinbase has killed it in their earnings. But if we, you know, have a downturn, like we've talked about on a previous podcast, yeah. um, 
like fun, that, fun Bilal. That, fun Bilal. That's gonna <laughs> that's gonna mess up their numbers, obviously. So so I don't know. I think I'd say the surest bet for me is Stripe, just because they're like monsters. <sighs> but also control, because man. they're private, there's less pressure, right? Like I don't know yeah. what's really happening behind the scenes. I just assume they're killing it because there's this story told about these two Irish dudes. Dude, so, how uh, crazy yeah, is it that uh, Elon and Peter Thiel were both angel seed investors in Stripe? Just absolutely outrageous. I think Thiel owns a, a one or two percent of the company. It's just fucking wow. probably nice. guessing in his in, in his, his Roth, Roth IRA. IRA. Yeah. All right, that's episode like 15 or something yeah, if, you, yeah. if you don't oh get a reference, guys. guys. Um, all right, yeah, anything else? Uh, Jack, did you have anything else on that, mate? I thought of something, but it's gone, mate. My, my, my memory is pretty... Yeah, Jack's uh, in. Four Let's days of Lash yeah. coming in. <laughs> all oh, right, man, cool. that, was, that was good. That was a good chat. Um, that was great chat. Oh, one thing I do remember was um, you, you said Spotify and there was a partnership announced, Shopify and Spotify, where there's going to be like merch integration, I think, oh, in yeah. app through like it's just gonna every like b2c platform is like is gonna have to battle for the most fair monetization option for creators or contributors to their platform so i don't know i can't imagine i just cannot empathize with somebody who's buying merch through spotify i just never would do that personally but i guess it happens enough for it to justify doing this um to your point, I think Stripe, because it has like the rails at a much deeper level than these like B2C companies are building infrastructure for like coffee shops and stuff. It's kind of yeah. a different different vibe. Like if you're all the payment network of Shopify, how does Amazon bro- process payments? I have no idea. That's a great question, actually. Um, uh, maybe they That's a very it. good question. I just assume they would have their own thing, but you never know. It might be one of those where it's all powered by a stripe or someone but it's all like white labeled obviously it's yeah. just in the back end yeah no uh, so that would be question, whoever's yeah. whoever's doing that bet on them not investment advice i would bet on yeah. them i say yeah. <laughs> yeah. uh but yeah just uh also i love stripes like execution in like on a regulatory side too like all of the products that they're building on like register a company in five minutes, you know, or tax compliance, all of that stuff just feels like gigabrain execution. It's really cool. Yeah, they take the pain away because it's kind of all boring for most people. So if they could just simplify that. All right, yeah, so uh, yeah, final vote for me was, I'd probably say Stripe, but they're all probably killing it. You guys got, if you were picking one, just sum it up. Yeah, man, Stripe, dude. Jack, you got one, mate? Yeah, yeah, so three, three or three. Unanimous decision, there you go, all right. No investment advice when they go public. Can't, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. All right, boy, let's wrap this up with the fun fact fan. We got Formula One in America. I know, Trung, you've been digging into this world. So, yeah, what's going on? Because, look, let's assume someone listening to this doesn't know much about, um, doesn't know much about Formula One and why it's so popular or whatever. But, like, what's been happening? I know there was, like, a big Netflix thing, that uh, documentary or something, right, or series. Yeah, I mean, I'll just do super quickly uh, with, um, I'm hoping a lot of people have seen uh, the Netflix drive, was it Drive to Survive? Uh, So F1 is just an absolutely massive sport. It's massive global sport. And in North America, there's like a bias. I mean, people don't really watch it or even attend it. And there was just a F1 race in Austin, like uh, by the time people listened, it was two weeks ago. But what's so interesting about F1 is, 
it's like the most watched individual sport outside of like the World Cup or like an Olympic event or these singular like Super Bowls. And everybody around the world is watching F1 events. And just North America has totally skipped F1. This is where like Netflix, the genius of Netflix comes in. F1 was acquired by uh, uh, Liberty Global, which is John Malone's company, like a cable giant, a genius of media. And he's like, he came in and says, we need to make F1 more appealing to the North American audience. Like one of the first things he did is like, F1 drivers now have to have their helmets off X amount of the time. We need to be able to see what these guys look like, right? He's like, what are the most popular sports? Which ones have the most social engagement? The basketball is right up there. Like LeBron James uh, is a massive star, obviously, more so than even some top NFL players other than like Tom Brady uh, because they're always wearing their masks. And NFL is like a way bigger league than the NBA, but you don't have that social connection, right? I don't, I couldn't tell you what 20 guys in the NFL look like. That's mental. Uh, that's like, so, yeah. That's, that's a good point, incredible. right? So he's like, Everybody, uh, like if you're an F1 driver, you got to take your mask off now. People need to know what you look like. And he started encouraging people to use their social more. He's like, you got to be more active on social, right? It's like people need to start knowing you as personalities. And then the Netflix show, The Drive to Survive, which I, have you guys watched it? Not all of it. I've watched like the first oh, three or four episodes. It's incredible, but It's, it's though, amazingly right? well done, yeah. It's, it's amazing. So it's like they F1 agreed with Netflix to give them access to the pits and the F uh, and Netflix obviously dramatized everything. I mean, I, have a, I, I was just going to say, I used to work with a, a brand that competed in F1 and we'd come up with all these execution ideas. And like, that was, that's like the sales funnel for a lot of, um, supercar brands is like people are into people first come in contact with the brand when they're a kid. And then, you know, if they eventually make enough money to buy a 300 grand car, it's going to be the one that, they fell in love with when they were a kid, right? Or a derivative of. Yeah. And um, F1 was always like incredibly tightly locked up with all of that right. information. Like they wouldn't give it to anyone. Like even the manufacturers can't use it outside of certain contexts and licensing and all of those things. So like whoever organized and orchestrated that collaboration just unlocked something absolutely massive. Insane, dude, right? Absolutely insane. So the number is this 50 million people watch uh, Drive to Survive. And then, wait, you guys, uh, you guys didn't go to the F1 event in Austin, right? A bunch of people went. I've but been, like, I've been like three years ago, but not this okay. year. So that was, it's pretty hype. Yeah. But it probably it wasn't nearly as big as it is now because of uh, Netflix and like everyone is into it. And, uh, uh, NASCAR is just getting left in the dust now because now it sounds like F1 is going to do a race next year in Miami and they might add Las Vegas. And um, just as I mentioned from the top, it's like this sport globally is massive, right? And the, the story that uh, was told to me by a buddy was in the 1990s, Michael Schumacher, uh, one of the most successful athletes ever, right? Jack knows him really well. Billionaire uh, a racer. Um, he used to vacation in the United States in the nineties because nobody knew him. Like it'd be like the equivalent would be Michael Jordan at that time, who was probably his only financial peer going to Germany or France, not being noticed impossible. Right. Michael Jordan was the most popular athlete in the world, but Michael Schumacher, literally no one knew him in North America. So this is where the sport was 20 years ago. And uh, Schumacher also has a documentary on Netflix. Very sad. He got into a terrible ski accident like five, six years ago basically a vegetable in a coma but isn't uh, it crazy that he was uh, doing incredibly dangerous sport every day for yeah. 20 30 years 
and like the craziness of like how he got injured was here's a crazy thing it's like it wasn't like he was doing some crazy runs he was skiing back to his cottage like oh you know God. like like but uh the thing i'll say about the documentaries if you watch it is like i mean the guy had the adrenaline juice obviously he when he retired from uh, f1 briefly like they just showed video of him he would he would take his wife to dubai and they would do 30 airplane jumps a day 30 like this is like the dude needed the juice right yeah, the insane. yeah yeah and uh but yeah very sad that was extremely sad but having said that, the whole point of that was like one of the most wealthy accomplished famous athletes internationally would vacation in the united states the biggest sports market in the world so that's why this is such a big deal for f1 blah i mentioned it briefly but like the whole thing with john malone coming in with liberty global they buy f1 they're like yeah yeah gotta, t- gotta take your helmets off gotta be social and it's working right well, well actually so trunk just to add to that i don't know if you saw i shared in the telegram earlier our boy joe pompliano pomp's brother um top 10 highest paid athletes of all time so it's kind of timely for what we're talking about schumacher michael schumacher number nine and this is inflation adjusted earnings 1.13 billion dollars right he's the only um formula one guy on there right obviously number one michael jordan tiger woods um arnold palmer which is an old school 1954 guy yeah. um in, in Jack Nicholas, yeah, also old school, nineteen sixty one golf, right? I just want to. I'm just sharing this really quickly because yeah, yeah. those three are all golf, where you're the individual. It's also kind of a rich sport, so they've got the Rolex ads and everything like that. Yeah. Tennis has been also really good to people like Roger Federer, Nadal, etc. Roger Federer is number ten on here, um, and obviously Michael Jordan's Michael Jordan, um, and then there's a couple people like Cristiano Ronaldo, Lionel Messi you know, in a team sport, but the superstars are the game for the, the biggest sport in the world. Um, then it's Floyd Mayweather. But the reason I'm bringing this up is there's only one Formula One person here, and it was from Michael Schumacher in 1991 when he turned pro. Yeah. Do you think now that they're opening up to the US market? Lewis, you've got bro. Lewis Hamilton. you got like, you know, Your Lewis boy. Hamilton, amazing for... <laughs> You know, like ads, he's got personality. Handsome cat, handsome, handsome guy, cat. Dating, you know, superstars. <laughs> Do you think now with the opening up to the American market and it growing 100%. here that we're going to see more of those individuals yes. rock it up? Dude, uh, I mean, Verstappen, is that the main guy? Like, I just know Verstappen from the Netflix show. That dude looks ready-made to be on that list, man. Like, young, intense, like, like dedicated to the craft and... uh no, I, uh, I I agree with your uh, your, your well, If we your do question. it ten years from now, yeah. it's probably going to have a few more in there. I think football's still going to be up there, but um, yeah, that's interesting. And even with Michael Jordan, it's like he made the money through Jordan footwear, right? Like yeah, football, yeah, yeah. That's where he made most of his money. So yeah, but it's interesting. I mean, anything to do with cars, it's the individual. Like yeah, it makes so much sense. They just hadn't been open to the U.S. market. Before. There's one more thing that I want to say about cars, and uh, Jack, I love Jack's opinion on this because he's such a car guy. Is uh, you know when people and we talked about it in a couple episodes ago is like, hey, well, people complaining about the space race is like, what are all these billionaires doing spending all this money in space? Is like, so the amount of technology that's going to come out of the space race that has earthly and human applications is outrageous, right? And the example I'll use is F1 because McLaren, for example, has a research division and their research division has licensed technology to like pharmaceutical companies to like do like toothpaste lines, right? It, because they do like, uh, they do so much uh, 
data input from the race cars to just get all this data about the race cars, right? And uh, they've learned how to analyze that information. So McLaren has that technology group, which basically uses that information and they've given it to like engine manufacturers and airplane manufacturers like Rolls-Royce, which makes the airplane engines to tell them how to better read like the data that they get in. So like F1, it pushes vehicles harder than anything, pushes technology harder than anything in that transportation space. I'm just saying, man, when like, to answer people is like the amount of technology, like externalities and exhaust you'll get from trying to go to space. They're going to have so many applications on earth. Just look at F1, right? That's F1. That's just being as fast as you can on the road. I mean, these guys are trying to go to space and reuse rockets, right? Yeah, All the crazy. material sciences and the physics involved, you're going to have so much technology benefits. Love it, man. All right, boys. I feel we're going to wrap it soon. We're going to have to kick out, but uh, yeah, thanks think, for sharing uh, that, mate. I think Formula One, it's definitely interesting, like, yeah, evolution. I'm going to watch that Netflix documentary. Um, all right, boys, anything else? Jack, I know you've, you've had a long week, mate, and uh, I'm still feeling like it's been a long week. And it's, yeah, let's, uh, I haven't I mean, even you done guys, much. I got, I got one guys. bit. I got one bit on F1. One thing I think is interesting and amazing that Netflix has accomplished this is like, culture and what f like my perception of where culture is going and what f1 is about would be contrasting ideas right like the idea of firing up a v12 engine and just going as hard as you can around a track 80 times with the like (laughs) the narrative of like or or just the interest in like combustion engine vehicles at a low for the most part or at least in popular culture you would assume that that's the case right like the um i remember when i was working in the marketing departments of automotive manufacturers it's like how do we position ourselves as more attractive than tesla because tesla is what you know people want to be seen driving as almost as a status symbol now right it's like it signals that you are you know right or wrong that's a deep debate that you are more like climate conscious if you're driving an electric car um and there's an there's an electric equivalent to F1. I think it's called uh, what is it called? E something. I don't know. Formula E. Formula E. It's called. And it's like it's just not the same. I've been to one of the races. Yeah. It's like they're silent. They're going around like you can't. It's just not the same environment or deal. So I don't know. It just feels like it's a little narrative breaking for me. And I wonder what it will do to the consumption like to those trends in automotive over time that's fascinating um, point do yeah. these brands have like a resurgence and all the top brands are still going to build electric cars like mclaren mercedes yep. ferrari they're all building either hybrid vehicles or electric vehicles so it's kind of cool to see the relationship between how their like production vehicles evolve as a product of what they're learning in the race world and also like yeah what that does to interest in racing i went uh to a little race day with sam parr our uh you know founder of hustle no in uh connecticut probably th- three months ago or so and did like a a race day and met the founder of this racing school we just acquired a racing school and they're seeing a bunch of interest pick up in their racing school and they're actually getting into building go-karting facilities that's if you know any like any um f1 driver's story they started racing go-karts when they were four or five or you know that's how they get into it in the same way that any athlete playing at that level i kind of want to get my i mean my kid wants to i'm not going to say no 
I might say no. My wife might say no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's ruthless. Like I watched the first episode of that Netflix special. It's like you watch their like parents sitting in the tent watching them on the screen, like doing two hundred and twenty miles an yeah. hour around the corner. It's pretty mental, it's man. Savage, but, um, yeah. It'll be int- like. There's also like the European fashion that came out of F1 is kind of like oh, universally yeah. cringe. Like, you know, the like <laughs> the you know, red the, like, and white leather jacket. Sh- yeah, like the racing shoes. And it just, but again, man, I'm not a fashionable dude. So I don't know how this stuff plays out. But like NBA, NFL, like what those guys wear really filters into culture fast. Yeah. It doesn't, and maybe that feedback loop is just getting tighter with the play, with the drivers now. Like they're not. Um, you know, you know, like the focus on them getting off the bus wearing their regular clothes versus like always seeing them in the overall. So it just feels like it's more taking a more lifestyle direction. And this guy that bought it gets that more than uh, whoever was running it before. Or in the European market, it's like there's plenty of people that want to walk around in like racing jackets and yeah. pointed trainers. <laughs> I love that, man. I mean, dude, I, I definitely went through a mini. I definitely went through like a mini, mini phase where I tried it out. It didn't look well. That's that's when, uh, that was uh, probably during my time of rolling in uh, fern bushes. So uh. <laughs> nice. <laughs> With your flower shirt and the fern <laughs> bush. Um, all right, boys. I thought we can call it here. Uh, but yeah. that was great, man. I think, yeah, really good discussion on the earlier stuff as well. So um, let us know what you think of this in the comments below if you're watching on YouTube. And if you're listening on audio, you can click the link to go to YouTube and leave us a comment. And we reply to pretty much everyone there. We try to anyway. Let's get some reviews on Apple. I can't believe I'm saying this, man. I know. Let's get That's some true. reviews we haven't really on got, Apple. We haven't really asked people to do that yet. Yeah, do us a favor. Go on to Apple and write a review on there as well. Make sure you subscribe to all those places. And as always, this is not investment advice, educational and entertainment purposes yeah, only. only. All vibes, no facts. And we will see you next week. <laughs>